the faithful have gathered on this December 27th. It's always a, a strange uh, Sunday when uh, we have Christmas Eve services, uh, especially on a Thursday or Friday, and then we're back here uh, on a Sunday again, uh, especially for us at the band and uh, Augie, uh, our media and sound folks. Um, it's like, were we just here a couple days ago? It feels like we were just here a couple days ago. And the reason is, yeah, because we were here just a couple days ago. Uh, but there's something about the faithfulness of God in all that, that, um, you know, some churches kind of shut down even if, they're, if their Christmas Eve services are close to uh, that Sunday. And I'm not judging that or anything, but there's something faithful about just showing up, about being in the room, about being present, about checking in online. And, uh, and here we are. Um, and that's a beautiful and good and right thing. Our scripture today uh, is actually the same scripture that was read on our Christmas Eve service, and it comes from Paul's letter to a young man named Titus. And Titus had a job throughout the island of Crete, which is an island in the midst of the Mediterranean. And his job was to appoint elders or overseers in all the churches in the on the island of Crete. And so Paul gave him that mission, and Paul's given him instructions in the midst of this letter. This is the kind of people that you need to have in leadership. Leadership matters, especially in the church. And we need people of good character, and they need to act like this. They need to behave this way. They need to have Christ in their lives and in their hearts. And in the midst of all of that, we get this comment from Paul in Titus chapter 2, verse 11, and Lauren just read it, and he says, For the grace of God has appeared. And later on in the text, he talks about the appearing again, the appearing of the glory of our great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Right in the midst of this letter, as, as if without even thinking about it, Paul is referring to something that has happened in the past, He's referring to something that is happening in the future. And then he says and mentions something called this present age. What we see here in Paul and what we see in a lot of the early church writers is they knew and were fully aware of their location in history. They knew where they were in the big picture in the big story of time. If you look at all the scriptures that talk about Jesus' entrance in the world, there are at least three markers, signposts, if you will, kind of a, a, a triangulation. You know, if you have three different points, you can triangulate and, and ping where anything is. And so these are kind of like our signposts in history and in the world. The first one is creation. The stuff of in the beginning, Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning. You go to the Gospel of John, and the first words in the Gospel of John, in the beginning. So this is where the Gospel begins. The Gospel begins in the beginning, when God creates the heavens and the earth. John has another layer of that story. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was 
was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and life was the light of the world. The light shines in the darkness, the darkness does not overcome it. Skipping down to verse 14 of John chapter 1, he says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. The Gospel writer John goes all the way back to the beginning. This is where Jesus begins. This is where it all starts. In the beginning was the Word. You have other scriptures that point toward this. If you look over in Colossians chapter 1, Paul himself in his letter to the Colossians um, talks about Jesus. He says that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. So we have these early church theologians. It's not enough just to know that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. It's not enough to know there are magi who came. It's not enough to know there were shepherds who came and there were angels that revealed themselves to Joseph, Mary, shepherds. Uh, God revealed himself to people from all over. Those are key elements in the story of God's entrance into the world in Jesus. But in addition to that, we've got to do the December 27th work of looking back and asking the question, what in the world does it all mean? Okay, sure, Jesus was born in Bethlehem, but what does that mean? What does it mean for the world? What does it mean for, for us? And every one of us needs to ask, what does that mean for me? That's the critical question, is how that story affects you and me and our life right here. And so what we have here is some unpacking of that through some of these different letters of Paul, especially this letter to Titus. And, and there's just there's so much in this small little line that he writes to Titus. So first of all, we go back in the beginning. That's the beginning of Christ. Christ in the world has been here from the beginning and the world was actually created through him. So that's history marker number one. Put that signpost in the ground and don't ever forget it. Creation matters. It's valuable. It's important. It's absolutely essential. The second marker is the appearance. The first appearance. Verse 11 in Titus, he says, For the grace of God has appeared. Well, the grace of God is Jesus himself. Jesus has appeared. And he didn't appear in the same way that we take this word appearance kind of lightly sometimes. You know, if, if you got that office Christmas party and you really don't want to go to it, but you're afraid if you don't go, the boss is going to look, you know, negatively on you. What do we do? We put in an appearance. I'm going to go put in an appearance, meaning I'm going to go show up, have everybody see you. Hey, I'm here, everybody. Check me off the list. All right, see you later. You can show up for 10 minutes and put in an appearance. That's not the kind of appearance we're talking about with Jesus. Jesus didn't show up, put in an appearance, rub a few elbows, drink a few drinks, wave at people, give them the wink, the thumbs up, and say, see you later. No, Jesus' appearance was a full appearance. He came in the flesh, God with us. He appeared to us, and he appeared among us and with us, and he spent his entire life here. And his appearance was so immersed in this world that it, it cost his whole life. That's an appearance, my friends. That's the fullness of an appearance. 
So when Paul says the grace of God appeared, we're not talking about a flash in the pan. We're talking about a revelation. Jesus is the revelation of God. So this is historical marker number two. Number one was creation. Number two is Christ's entrance in the world. The grace of God, salvation of God, and what that means for us. Number three, Paul continues on, and he looks forward to the future in verse 13, and he he says, we are waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing, another appearing, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we have this looking back, not only to creation, but looking back to God's appearance in Jesus through His birth, His life and ministry, His death and His resurrection and His ascension. That's the the second historical marker, if you will. But then, just naturally, Paul in his letter refers to the next appearing. There's going to be another appearance. And it will be a real and full appearance. One of those appearances that nobody will miss. The first time Christ came into the world, He kind of snuck in under the nose of everybody. The next time Christ comes into the world, everyone will know. All things will be revealed. He describes it as the appearing of the glory of our great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So these are our historical markers. We are living in between the first appearance of Jesus and the second or final appearance of Him. So Paul describes that in the letter here as this present age. We're living in a certain age in between those. That's the moment in history that we're in. So as followers of Christ, we not only have an, oppor- uh, an obligation and a responsibility to look back at what Christ has done, but also to look forward in anticipation of what He will do. In the between, we therefore have to ask the question, how is it that we are going to live today? He continues on. He says, we are here to be trained to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. The grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation. The grace of God is training us. Training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. And that's what we're being trained away from. What we're being trained for and to is to be self-controlled, upright, and godly. So, As we are people living in between these two markers in history, God wants, by His grace, to train us, to shape us, to form us into a certain kind of people, to have a certain kind of character, the character of God Himself, the character of Christ. This is not very easy because in the midst of all of our character, We tend to be this mixture between good and bad. We tend to be this mixture. We we have good motives. We have a good and right heart in a lot of ways. But we're, we're also mixed in with that and mingled in with that is this thing called sin. And sin is something that you just can't really get away from. It's always there. 
It's something we're always fighting against. And that's why we are in training. Have you ever thought that you're in training? Training takes a lot of energy and effort. Training takes participation. All this training is God's work to purify us. When something is purified, that evil and good mix is in the process of being separated out. Before Christ, the prophet Malachi was referring to the coming Lord. And he says in Malachi chapter 3, verse 2, he says, Who can endure the day of His coming? Who can stand when He appears? For He is like a refiner's fire. He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver, and He will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver, and they will bring offerings and righteousness to the Lord. Jesus is a purifier. He purifies the people of Israel. He purifies the people of God today. And He'll purify you and I if we allow Him, if we enter into His training. This, this metaphor of a refiner's fire is, comes from, from metalworking or metallurgy, where the dross or the stuff that is unsubstantive or unclean is purged out so that you have pure gold or pure silver left. You see these metaphors all throughout Scripture. Another one is the wheat and the chaff. The wheat and the chaff are together, but the one who is harvesting separates the wheat from the chaff. The chaff blows away and the stuff of substance remains. It's a separation. You also see it in the Jesus' uh, sermon about the sheep and the goats. Everything's mixed up, but the day will come when it all gets teased out. It's a purification. I had the privilege of leading our 830 Sunday School class in a study of Revelation. I don't know if it's a privilege or a burden, but uh, if you go through the book of Revelation, uh, you talk about being in training. It'll wear you out a little bit. But hopefully once you're through with it, you, you walk away from it a little more grounded in who God wants you to be. And one of the great promises in the book of Revelation is that God will, in the end, reveal all things and separate it all out. It's really a, a story of taking all the evil, putting it over here and removing it and putting all the good over here and keeping and redeeming it. It's a story of separation. And that presses us today to say, how are we going to get sifted out? Are we going to be able to inherit life? Are we going to be able to inherit what God wants to do? That's the future. That's the third mile marker or historical marker is the second appearance. When he appears, he will refine. All things will be sifted through and sorted out. Until then, we're looking through a glass a little darkly. Until then, our sense of righteousness and justice is always going to be a little hazy. I think we're really in, a, in the midst of kind of a, a, a struggle in our American culture about what is good and right in our world today. And as I kind of try to keep up with what is going on, it, it seems like there's different and competing versions for what is good and what is right. But in the end, as followers of Christ, 
when we have that third marker, we're not just blindly going through history trying to figure out what's good and right on our own. No, we have a standard. The standard is Jesus as we look back and as we look forward. And we are those people who are called to be trained for godliness. Now, how do we live in this purifying training phase right now? How do we do that? Well, one of the ways we do that is by a continual confession. Every week when we gather here, we break bread. We say, this is the body of Christ broken for you. This is his blood shed for you. It's a participation in his death. When we do that, the calling is to confess our sins. Anybody ever get tired of confessing your sins? You ever get tired of confessing the same old thing? Ever get tired of going back? You ever get tired of being like, you know what? I'm just tired of confessing these sins. I'm just going to just accept that I do this and just go on my life and just do, my, do whatever I want to do. There's that temptation, isn't it? But remember, we're in training. And when you're in training, you do the same things again and again and again and again and again. That's what training is. It's doing those same things over and over and over. It's not always fun. It's not always entertaining. But it is good. So think about what kind of training regiment you might need in this coming year. What would 2021 look like for you to have a training regiment to be trained to live a life of righteousness, godliness, uprightness. When we confess, when we ask God to forgive us, when we say, Lord, have mercy on me, we're letting God do His purifying work right now. We do that humbly. We do that with a willing spirit and a willing heart. We're giving God something to work with. If you and I have any goal for this upcoming year, should it not be a goal that has to do with the kind of person we want to be? Often when we set goals, we, we think, well, I want to do this, or I want to do that. I want to make this much, or I want to take this trip, or I want to check this off my bucket list. Those are all fine. But what if we also talked about our goals in terms of, I want to become more of a blank. I want, to, I want to become more generous. I want to be more patient. I want to be more humble. I want to not get so wrapped up in the things that give me anxiety in life. I want to be more courageous. I want to have a deeper sense of what's good and right and, and to be able to stand up for that. What kind of training regimen is God leading you to have? Remember, We can do all this with the assurance that in the end, we're moving in His direction. We're not just doing this blindly. So the invitation today, my brothers and sisters, is to remember the appearing of Christ as we light these candles in remembrance of that. But to know that the work of Christ is not finished. The work of God through Jesus Christ in the world is ongoing. Christ has come. He sent His Spirit into the hearts of His believers. And He still has work to do on us and in us. 
and He has work to do in the world through us. And He is wanting to use us in whatever way that we're willing to give Him so that He can purify us individually and corporately so that we would be prepared for the day of His coming. When He does appear, we will be ready. We will recognize Him and we will worship Him. Let us be those people now on the December 27th of life. Let us be those people who are faithful like God is faithful.